Praise God, what a day to be alive, man. That, that transition message, that offering message, what a powerful time already. What a powerful week we've had. I don't know if you know, but on Wednesday night, we had come and see, sharing about all things 2022, looking back for a moment, but looking forward and onward. And uh, what a powerful time it was. It was really special. Uh, we had our coffee machine featuring on that night and people just lingered and lingered and lingered. A lot of us stayed up late uh, regretting after drinking the tasty downpour coffee here. But hey, we had that happening yesterday. We had obviously our fit out teams and all sorts of things happening. Now, if you want to be a part of it, this Saturday, everybody say this Saturday, we've got something special lined up in this facility. Uh, if you want to serve, if you want to come and be a part of painting or being part of doing something, it'll probably be the last one for the year as before we wind things down leading into Christmas and New Year's. Uh, and so watch out for that. And then last but not least, Christmas service. Did you see that? Michael Bublé music was happening in the, this is the start of the church news. My gosh, so good. Christmas service, a lot of exciting things lined up. Uh, it'll be a morning service right here in this venue. It'll be a very first coming together here. But tonight, we've got our last worship night. Now, as I'm looking on the Zoom, I can see some familiar faces and some names, but people I haven't seen in a while uh, in person. So I would love if you are here tonight, it would be absolutely fantastic. Mr. Rico is here during the week, but I'd love to see Rico tonight. Uh, I'd love to see the Creek family if they can be here. I can see Jared and Rachel on the, cha on the chat. Come on. Uh, recently married, powering on for Jesus. We'd love to see some of these faces tonight at our last gathering last worship night Sunday service uh, is going to be absolutely powerful uh, and, and we may our rumor has it that around 5 30 the coffee machines being turned off turned on so if you're here we'll probably get you a coffee before the start of the service well this morning I want to continue on I want to continue on what I've been sharing over the last couple of weeks uh, some of you know that I had a life-changing experience three months back and, uh, you know, the, the truth is this experience has changed me, but it's actually changed our world in the sense that Heaven Testimony videos has had over 60,000 views. And we've had close to 500 interactions with people around the world. When I mean interactions, I mean comments, I mean emails, phone calls, Zoom calls, all sorts of things with people around the world. People going through difficult stuff, people going through cancer, people going through body issues, people going through uh, health issues, and we've been able to pray for them, just just guide them, lead them, whatever way. And it, it's changed our world. It's changed our world in the sense of just being there for people in, in, a, in a much deeper, wider format. Uh, and it's just unbelievable what God has done through that message. Now, if you remember when I had that encounter, there were a few things that was, was downloaded, if I could use that word, in my heart. And one of that was why churches do not complete their assignment. And every time I've had the opportunity to share the message with you on a Sunday morning, I've been talking from the four things that Jesus shared with me on why churches don't complete its, her assignment. One was grief. It was a powerful message, uh, and, and maybe you've navigating through grief. You've gone through a painful situation. would encourage you to watch that. The second is selfishness. The third is unbelief. And this morning, I come to you uh, with a humble heart and an open hand. And the fourth reason is offense. Offense. 
You know, this is not a, a, a big theological discourse or an argument or a debate or, or, or trying to portray an idea. This, I've been praying for you this week. I've been, in fact, fasting for you, fasting for us, fasting for the church, fasting for the wider body of Christ. Uh, because in my years of ministry, uh, these last two years have been the most offended years in the body of Christ. And this is not just me who feel, feels it. I've spoken to pastors around the world. I spoke to a man of God who's been in 45, 46 years in ministry. And he said the last two years have been the most offended years in the church. Uh, and we need to understand this. Offense is not just a personality situation. It's not a clash of ideologies. Offense is a spirit. And, 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 and you know, I, I don't want to come across as or get over it sort of a message. I want to journey with you because the reality is that this is a real thing. Now, before we go any further, let's talk about what Jesus says. Well, what does our Lord and Savior Jesus say? Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says, Then he said, this is Jesus, Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no... That, that offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, he said, it is impossible to never be offended. He was saying, offenses will come, in other words. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one we call, the one we've been singing to, one we've been praising all morning. He says, you will have offenses in this life. It is natural. Offenses, offenses do come it happens. And I want you to know that if you are going through something and maybe you don't even know that that's a part of, because the thing about offense is it becomes a part of our personality, becomes a part of our design, becomes a part of our DNA. Uh, I, 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 but I want us to understand that. And my prayer, if, I could, if we could have a prayer this morning is, Holy Spirit, if there's an area in my life where I'm offended, reveal it to me. For some of us, we may know it. It's like, yes, I am. But I think a lot of us, we actually don't know. It's, it's, it's sneaky. Uh, it, it's subtle. As I was preparing this message and as I was pondering on this whole idea and this attack on the body of offense, I wanted to share a few thoughts that, are, that just came to me. I want you to know that the devil is not walking around with a pitchfork uh, with two horns uh, in a red suit. He's not like the cartoons draw him to be. Uh, he is subtle. In fact, the Bible calls the devil the angel of light. Now that word their light is revelation. The devil can even drop revelations that seem like true, that seems like the spirit of God. You know, sometimes offense appears as discernment. Sometimes discerning people are not actually being discerning, they're, they're, they're being offended. And the devil uses even that, that spiritual type, that, that mindset, that gifting. In fact, if you're a person that's very discerning, that's great, but even an angel of light can creep into that space and use that uh, to, to, to drop in things into our hearts that seem like discernment, but it's not discernment. A lot of times, offense appears as discernment and gossip camouflages as prayer requests. Offense appears as discernment and gossip camouflages as prayer requests. In fact, J James, Pastor Lee just talked about James this morning, book of James, talks about two kinds of wisdom. Isn't it interesting? 
two kinds of wisdom. One kind of wisdom is heavenly wisdom. Once I had this heaven encounter, I realized that there's a lot of things that people call wisdom is not wisdom. It's not even earthly. It's from another place. It's deceptive. In fact, James chapter 3, verse 13, this is what we read. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Do you know wisdom comes with humility? Doesn't come with arrogance. Doesn't come with, I know better than you. Doesn't come with, well, I'm discerning and they're not discerning. Doesn't come with, well, that is my spiritual gift and, and they're not mature enough. It doesn't come with that sort of a spirit. It comes with the spirit of humility. Verse 14, but if you harbor, notice it, he uses the word wisdom. And then check out what happens. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Look what he calls bitterness. Look what he calls bitterness in verse 15. Such wisdom, in quotes, such wisdom, such discernment, in quotes, such spiritual detection, in quotes, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Wow. Think about it. So many times we're trying to spiritually identify things that really have a, it is spiritual, but it's not the Holy Spirit spiritual. There's another enemy out there. There's an enemy out there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And we need to be aware. It's such a, and, and, the, and the test here, my friend, when you find something that is discerning in your spirit, is, is, my, is my attitude an attitude of humility? Or is it an attitude of arrogance? Is it an attitude of, because I know this, I have an upper hand. That's going to be the biggest key. Notice he says, heavenly wisdom comes with a spoon full of humility. If you read the rest of the uh, chapter, it actually says, with meekness, meekness. The wisdom of heaven comes with meekness. Do you know meekness is not, uh, is not weakness? You know what meekness is? Meekness is yielded strength. It's, I, have, I, have, I have all the strength in the world. I have all the power in the world. But it's yielded. It's surrendered. Surrendered strength. Jesus says these words. Talking about offense in Matthew 24, verse 10 to 13. It says, and then many will be offended. Will betray one another. And will hate on another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, that's for us, Stamper Church. Let us be people that endure. He who endures to the end shall be saved. If you actually look at the scripture, it's a step-by-step -step process. What does it say? Many will be offended. It starts with offense, but it doesn't stop there. Then it leads to betrayal. And will betray one another. In other words, they will gossip, they will lie, they will slander, they will what what what, what, what Jesus' betrayal, think about it. Went to the authorities, went to somebody, there was a betrayal that happened, and then eventually that betrayal will lead to what? Hate. And then it says false prophets will rise up. And and so there's a process here. You've got offense, you've got gossip, you've got hatred, and then you have false doctrine. Doctrine that supports. See everything that 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 whole false discernment, that camouflage discernment, it's all false doctrine. Now, a lot of times when I talk about false doctrine, uh, we start looking at the platform for false teachers. You notice the Bible, Jesus says these words, watch out for wolves in what? 
sheep clothing. You notice Jesus never said, watch, watch out for wolves in shepherd's clothing. See, I think so many times we're looking in the wrong place. I'm not saying that they're not false pastors or teachers out there, but most false doctrine does not start from the platform. It starts in the pews. And the way the wolf operates is the wolf doesn't go after a community. The wolf goes after the isolated sheep. Because when the sheep is isolated, it is powerless. It is not surrounded. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks about isolation. It says, for a man who is isolated is, is, is focused on his own ways. And the devil comes into that space and says, what do you think happened there? What do you think happened in that situation? What were they trying to say there? Trying to make implications. Uh, and maybe there, there is a hurt. There is, I'm not saying that we will not offend. There will not be offend. There will not be hurts. There will not be arguments. There will not be personality clash. I'm not saying any of that. These are natural things in life. If you're in a marriage, there will be offense. There will be hurts. There will be personality clashes. But we have to lead over that. We've got to love over that. We've got to join in over that. I'm not saying these things are not real. These things are real. But in, those re in the realities of humanity, the devil comes in and creates a bigger situation that leads into all sorts of scenarios, including isolation. And that's why the spirit of this age... When we talk about COVID-19, I mean, we got to do what we got to do. But, but there's a spirit that, that is with the church and that spirit is isolation. And the devil has used this spirit of isolation so hard to isolate the body of Christ to such a degree that that offense has crept in, false doctrine has kept, crept in, hatred has kept in, crept in. And I want you to know that I want to read again verse 10. It says, there are many who will be offended, will be betrayed. They'll hate one another. Many false doctrines, false prophets will rise up, deceive many. And because of this, lawlessness will abound. abound. And then it says, the, law, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I heard, uh, I read someone online comment on this post as I, was, as I was studying on this, saying that Jesus was talking about the unsaved. That in the last days, there will be many people that are offended. There'll be many people that will betray each other. He's not talking about the Christians. That word, they love, it says the, the love of many is the word agape. My friend, we only can have that kind of love if you know Jesus. Agape is Christ-like love. And so what he's saying is the Christ-like love that is in the church will grow cold. This, my friend, he's talking to us. He's talking to the church that many in the church will be offended and will eventuate into gossip. And what gossip does is gossip poisons the love that I'm supposed to walk in. God has given me a love beyond my love. God has given me a grace beyond my natural abilities. God has given me an empowerment beyond my character ability. But gossip and slander poisons my ability to love you the way I'm anointed to love you. And so we got to understand this. So, so, and then what does Jesus say? Jesus says, but those that endure till the end will be saved. When he uses the word saved, he's not just talking necessarily about salvation, but he's talking about those who endure to the end will walk in their calling, will walk in their, in their anointing, will walk in the things of God, will walk out and see his kingdom come, his will be done in their lives, in their homes, in their families, in their church. Remember the conversation I have with Jesus is why churches don't fulfill their assignment and one of them is offense. So how does offense happen? Offense happen because we're human. Offense happen because we get hurt. 
And I think the perfect example is to look at Jesus. How did Jesus respond? What did he say? Father, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and, and you got to understand this, that we need to be people that look at our model, Jesus Christ, and say, Jesus, you forgave those people. I don't know how you did it, but I need that grace in my life. And, and, and I've come to realize that a lot of times I find people in church that cannot forgive. And I want to read this to you. A person who cannot forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've been forgiven from. A person who struggles to forgive is a person who's forgotten what they've been forgiven of. Jesus, when he forgave us, he didn't look at how, how good or how bad, but isn't, isn't that true? I mean, Jesus went through all the things that some of us have gone through. He went through betrayal. He went through denial. He went through abandonment. He went through gossip, lies, slander, false accusation, everything under the sun. But look at his attitude. And I begin, I begin to think, uh, because yes, it's human, because I talk to people around and they say it's human nature for people to be offended. But do you know in church, there's a lot more offense than outside the church? And we, 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 we agree, we nod our heads and we laugh at it. But why does that happen? Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. Have you ever heard someone say, the people in the world treat me better than the people in the church? Uh, have you ever heard someone say, uh, 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 my unsafe friends are more Christian than my saved friends have you ever said say, heard someone say that? you know the truth is there's there's actually a whole different angle that i want to present to you this morning that that you may have not thought of do you know why you feel that way do you know why people say that it's because our expectation of an unsafe person is right down here so you're unsaved. I don't expect you to love. I don't expect you to be generous. I don't expect you to care. And so when they show even an ounce of care, you're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing, right? But our expectation of a Christian is right here. Our expectation of our spouses is right here. Our expectation of our pastors is right there. You can't even see my hands. And so when one little thing happens, we, we, our comparison mechanism is unjust to begin with. And the reason why this happens is not because we, I'm not saying that pastors, yes, pastors must have a higher standard and all that. I understand. But it's, it, it, the issue is not that. The issue is the sin level. We've got categories in our heads like uh, adultery, scandal, you know, immorality, high up there, a white lie, you know, something just avoidance is right down here. Do you know in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says something. He says in Proverbs chapter six, for there are six things that the Lord hates and the seventh is an abomination to him. One, the hand that sheds innocent blood, the heart that plans evil. Do you know one of the other sins was gossip? Do you know in those seven things that uh, Proverbs, uh, that Solomon shares that God hates, there's no murder. There's no, uh, I mean, there is murder, sorry. There's no uh, adultery. There's no scandals. There's no immorality. But there's gossip. See, the way God sees some of the things we see is different. And we got to understand there's gossip, disunity, dishonor, you know, in the body is a big, big deal. This is the thing I learned uh, when I was in heaven that, that it, was such, it was such a mind-blowing thing that these little things that we call little are a big deal to God. 
And we must understand this. So the question we've got to ask this morning is, I know I've sort of, what I did for the first part of this message is I just opened up a case and I just sort of did a bit of a scriptural understanding on offense and how it works. But I want to also make this a practical message. And at the end of this message, I want to pray for you and pray for healing in our hearts. I want to ask the question, how do I overcome offense? Okay, Pastor Alwyn, yes, you've shared all these great downloads and thoughts and nuggets of truth. How do I overcome offense? How am I going to make, how am I going to make this work? How does it work? Well, here's my first point. I've got points for this message. The first point is spiritual fitness. Spiritual fitness. To help you understand this, I want to read from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 24, verse 10. This is what it says. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void to offense towards God and towards men. I want to read that again. And herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void, a conscience void to offense towards God and towards men. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that as I move on with life, as I move on with church, in fact, if you read Acts chapter 24, he's actually talking about the times people weren't there for him. When I went to Jerusalem, they, they absconded. They, when I went to Jerusalem, they weren't there. This one left me. And then he says, I exercise myself. He went and got himself a gym membership. So that he's not, no one holds offense. People read that and like, yeah, that's a great way to get over offense so that you can cool your mind. He wasn't talking. I, 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 have, an, I have a little bit of a suspicion that he wasn't talking about physical fitness as much as that is great. Now, I want to use a practical analogy to explain this. So over the last couple of weeks, uh, I've, I've had a few, uh, you know, it's not too crazy. Sometimes when I share some of these things, people start mailing me Panadol and Nurofen and antibiotics and drugs in the mail. No, I don't need anything. I'm fine. All good. All good. But I've had a few, you know, uh, unwell situations. I get a cold, get the flu. And I've had a f three or four of these over the last one year. Now, I've got a personal trainer. This year has not been the greatest uh, fitness journey. Last year was fantastic. This year wasn't that great, but 2022, watch out. Cristiano Ronaldo is on his way. So, so, so I had a few sessions that I was missing. And so my gym instructor said to me, Alwyn, I noticed that uh, just as I look at some of the sessions you've missed, you've had a few illnesses, you've had a few, the flu a few times. And he said to me, do you know, Alwyn, it's going to get better. So what do you mean? He said, as you exercise, your immunity is going to rise up. As you exercise, you're going to get stronger. As you exercise, you're going to have less injuries, right? Some of the weights, oh, it's too heavy, my wrist aches. As you exercise, it's actually not going to get worse. It's actually going to get better. And, you know, Pastor Regan's a physio, should hand in the microphone for a moment. But if you ask a physio, what physios really do is when, you, when you're injured a part of your body, they're actually making you exercise. But it's a slow exercise. Why? Because it's to get you to a place of health so that that injury doesn't happen again. You look at sports and the sport physio and all that. Now, what am I trying to say? Offense is going to happen. Hurt is going to happen. But when your immunity is higher and when your fitness is higher, the possibility of an offense is much lower. Are you getting with me? I've noticed in my life, the times when I'm most offended is when I'm most unspiritual. When I'm in the things of God, when I'm following the heart of God, when I'm having my time with God, when I'm, so when Paul uses this word where he says, I exercise, he was talking about spiritual fitness. He was talking about the ability to maintain a fit spirit, a fit heart, a healthy heart causes the offenses that would naturally be caused by men and God to fall away. So his conscience is void 
of offenses. Let me tell you, uh, 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 being offended is, a, is, a, is an indicator of where we are on the spiritual fitness scale. Are you with me? When I'm spiritually fit, what begins to happen is my heart is tender before God. I, I, I can't harden my heart. I'm tenderhearted. It's sort of like, yeah, God, that was painful. That was hurting. But God, my heart is tender before you now. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, you're amazing. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, you know what? As I love God, you know what happens? I begin to love what God loves. You know what God loves? God so loved the world. God so loved people. God so loved humanity. All of a sudden, I'm, oh, God, yes, I love them too. Yes, I love them. I love them. You know, the other thing that happens when I'm spiritually fit, I believe the best in people. Do you know there's a greater possibility of, of offense to creep up between people that I'm close to? close with, that I work with. And so I've got to constantly encourage them and encourage myself and believe the best for them. And so constantly I'm saying, oh, you know, I love my wife. She's amazing. Constantly I'm saying, Pastor Regan is amazing. He's fantastic. Oh, Din, he's amazing. That boy can play the keyboard into the heavenly realm. Oh, Connor, he's am everyone that we're working with. Why? Because you, you, the devil, the, the default mode of, of the human mind is offense. So, but when I'm spiritually fit, I'm constantly using encouragement, the heart of God, the spirit of God, the understanding of God, the best in them, the best in them. How amazing, by the way, how amazing was that sermon that Pastor Regan preached last Sunday? Come on, somebody, how amazing. I'm banging the pulpit just because of the excitement that I have about, about what God is doing in his life. Come on, we gotta be excited about our brothers. We gotta be excited about my sisters. I've, I've reached a point in my life, it's not about me standing on the big stage and preaching and my photo on Instagram. No, I've reached a point in my life where you need to walk in your God-given calling and we need to start believing the best in each other. And the key to that is not just by being motivated. The key to that is spiritual fitness. That's what Paul said, I exercise so that my conscience is void of offense. How do you have a conscience free of offense? By being spiritually fit. The flu is out there, but if your immunity is high, you won't catch it. Point number two, how do I overcome offense? Number two, pray for anyone who mistreats you. Now we know this very common scripture, Matthew chapter five, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That word that spitefully is slander, malice, lie, make up stories and gossip about you. Now, you know, I've had journey upon journey about people doing all sorts of things. Even uh, around 10 years ago, I was, in a, I was in a church scenario where the leadership, it was all sorts of crazy stuff happening. But you know, I had to constantly keep my heart tender. I had to constantly go before God and say, God, just, just keep my heart tender. Recent, when I say recent, it was over a year ago. Over a year ago, we had some scenarios in our world where there were all sorts of things happening, all sorts of crazy stuff happening. And, 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 and never did I feel any hatred, but it was just this thing of, uh, what's going on? What's going on? And one day I was praying and, and, and these, the scripture came into my heart and, it, it, and it, it felt like I was reading my life. Psalm 35 verse 11, malicious witness testify against me. That's what happened. We had people in our world, people that we love, make up stuff. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I'm sick with despair. 
And so I'm reading this and I'm going, yeah, I'm excited about this, David, because the next word's going to be, and the Lord shall break their jaw, right? <laughs> so I read verse 13. It says, yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. I want you to look up here. Do you know never in the Bible does Jesus say, pray for your mother? Does not mean you don't pray. Please do pray for your family, pray for your loved ones. But he knows that we will pray. We will pray for the ones we love. But what does the Bible say? Pray for those who attack you. Pray for those who slander you. Pray for those who've let you down. Pray for those who've offended you. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. Let's be praying for each other. Let me tell you, this is what the devil does. He causes separation and division and all sorts of things to come in the way to divide us from the mission and the call of God and the potential that is in this church, in this ministry, on, in this room, on our lives to see a move of God in this nation and in the nations of the world. Let's be praying for each other. It's very, very powerful. So if you're going through a situation where there's a person in your world, you're trying to navigate, you're not sure how it's going to happen, pray for them. Lift them up. Not the kind of prayer, oh God, I pray for them. It, it, you notice what David says, I begin to fast for them. I mourn for them. I pray for them. If it's that prayer, like this is my own family, how powerful is that? Let's be praying. Number three, the third way to overcome um, offense is to reconcile. Reconciliation 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 Matthew I want to talk about this because I think our understanding of reconciliation we think we have a certain understanding of reconciliation but I believe it's different Matthew 18 if your brother sins against you go to him go to him you know we read the scripture like if your brother sins against you have a cup of coffee go with the list of 17 points of what you hate about him vomit and leave that's not what it's saying it's saying reconciliation is a lot deeper than that and the model of that is you got to understand that you know and another translation another passage of scripture says and when you pray you know what i'm talking about and when you pray if there's someone that's hurt you if there's someone you've caused leave your gift at the altar when you pray you notice it with giving with prayer you know i remember this one time uh you know i was praying and you know i couldn't pray i turned to leah it's like oh leah these people that have been uh, offended me and uh, done all this stuff, uh, they're even affecting my prayer life. And then the Holy Spirit's like, maybe they're affecting your prayer life for a reason. Maybe I'm reminding you to reconcile with them. So that once you reconcile with them, then you can actually fully enter into the presence of God. Do you know, if you're spiritually feeling numb, there are two reasons. Number one is the presence of obvious sin in your life. You're in an activity that you should walk away from. That takes us away. The, the second is offense. If you're struggling in your prayer life, if you're struggling with God, if you're struggling, there's this closed heaven over you. My friend, let me tell you, reconcile. Reconcile today. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for them. What does the Lord say? What does Jesus say in the, in the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Remember, heaven's our model. Give us his daily bread. And then it says, forgive our sins as we forgive. Forgive even in our prayers. Forgive our sins as we forgive. You know, a lot of times I've heard people say this in some format. Not necessarily uh, this way, but it, this is what they're implying. They'll say, I will forgive when they accept. 
when they accept their sin, when they accept that they've done this, when they accept that they're sorry, then I will forgive. Can I ask you a question this morning? When did Jesus forgive? When did Jesus forgive you? Does Jesus forgive you when you accepted and acknowledged your mistake? You know what Jesus prayed? Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. You know what he was saying? He was not just saying about the the Roman Empire, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. He was saying about the next generation. And the next, he was saying about you. He saw your face when he said, Father, forgive them. Jesus forgave before he reconciled. So now let's talk about what is reconciliation. Reconciliation was when you went to Jesus and you said, I recognize. I acknowledge your forgiveness. I acknowledge what you've done. Are you understanding? A lot of times people think reconciliation is forgiveness. It's not. You forgive even before the matter was discussed. You forgive even before the apology. See, let me tell you, in this life, there may be times where you will not be able to reconcile. But So, but you, so you got to fulfill step two because sometimes people don't want to reconcile. Sometimes people don't want to meet. Sometimes that may, that may happen a decade from now. But you must still forgive today. Let go today because that is going to be the seeds of reconciliation for tomorrow. A lot of times we think when I have, oh, I need to have a conversation with him. And the no, before the conversation, this is the gospel way. This is the Jesus way. Before the conversation, he forgave us. Before we said the Lord's prayer, he forgave us. And when we bought into our salvation, that was reconciliation. That was getting on the same page. Reconciliation is when we accept and acknowledge, Lord, I'm a sinner. You died for me 2,000 years ago. You forgave me 2,000 years ago. I offended you 2,000 years ago. And now I recognize that. Now we've been reconciled. And as I was thinking about this message, there was this, I heard the story when I, was a really, when I was really young in the faith. I was a teenager. But uh, I don't know if you know the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, written by Joseph Scriven. Do you know this song was actually a poem that he wrote to his mother because she was going through so much pain. She was going through so much despair. She was going through so much of tragedies. But it was not just she that went through it. I want, to, I want to read to you the story of this guy's life, the story of Joseph's life. Joseph was born in Ireland. He grew up in a good Christian home. But he met, and he met this beautiful girl. He was about to be married the night before the marriage, his fiance drowns. Okay? This situation should have caused them to seem depressed and all sorts of things. His faith in God increases. His faith becomes so, he's so passionate about God that his family is like, we can't handle this guy. How can someone love God this way after God took his wife or his fiance? The, 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 the discord was so bad that he moved from Ireland to Canada. He goes to Canada. A few years later, he's serving in this church, being faithful. He meets another lady and was due to be married. And she gets hit by pneumonia. And in the week of their wedding, she dies. And so with all this, his mother is going through her own health issues and stuff. This guy's already discouraged, right? And he writes the, this poem to her. I want to read to you the words. Maybe it might come up. The words are, what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear all our sins and our offenses to bear what a privilege to carry 
everything to God in prayer. And look, look, look at the next, next slide. It says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Do you know God has given you a measure of peace that we postpone, that we walk away from, that we never enter into it because of offenses in our heart. Oh, what needless pain we bear. I feel there are some of us that have been carrying pain that we, should, we were not meant to bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What I want to do this morning is, Dins, join me, Pastor Liam, join me on the platform. I want to sing the song and I want us to worship God for a moment. I really felt in my heart, now you know the story of the song. You know the depth of the song. You know the weight of the song. I don't want to sing this together. Maybe you can sing where you are at. Let's take a moment to worship the first two stanzas of the song. And I believe God's going to do a powerful plan, a powerful work in this place in Jesus' name. And thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus. Timothy 2 where he says for those that are in 
in, 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 in confront with each other, those that are in strive, watch out for them. And literally, it's like this, the, 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 the passage of Scripture is pointing to the fact that, alluding to the truth that they're still brothers and in strife. And I know there are so many in church life that we're brothers, we're family, we're sisters, we're friends, but there's a strife, there's a spirit of strife there, there's a spirit of division there. And some of us continue on in ministry, we're in serving in car parks, serving on welcome, serving here, serving there. But what we don't realize is that that, that offense, uh, you know, Pastor John Bevere wrote a great book called The Bait of Satan. I'd recommend you to get the whole of that book. But what he says is the word offense in scripture is the word scandalous, that word we get scandal from. And, and, and the devil uses the scandalous to bait us, to bait us into his purpose, to bait us into his plan. And his plan is, you know what? I don't mind people being in church. I, don't, I just don't want them united. I don't want them full of the Spirit of God. I don't walk in them in full of the Spirit. And I want you to understand this. What the devil does is he causes offense to enter the bloodstream of the believer and poison out the potential and the purpose and the calling of God over their life. Church, this is why churches don't fulfill their assignment because there's poison in the bloodstream because of a little virus called offense. And I want to pray for us across this room. I want to pray for us across the Zoom. And the prayer is, God, here's my heart. Front, back, center, top, bottom, right, left. See my heart. If there's anything in there, purify me. Anything that I call discernment, show me if it is. Anything that I call prayer requests, show me if it is. And why don't we right now pray? If you're wherever you are, just lift your hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take it to you. We take it to our Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit, do only what you can do. Lord, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister. I thank you, God that the plans of the enemies have been canceled today. The attack of the enemy has gone void today. As Paul said, that Lord, we are strengthened, we are exercising, we're coming up, putting ourselves under the, the physio Jesus Christ. We're putting ourselves under Dr. Jesus. We're putting ourselves under PT Jesus, saying exercise us, exercise our hearts so that our conscience is void of of offense towards man and towards you. Father, I pray for every person that needs to surrender. Lord, there are names coming up in people's minds that they didn't even know of. There are names coming up. Lord, we bless them and we release them. We bless them like they're our mother. We bless them like they're our father. We bless them like they're our sister. We bless them like they're our own family. We bless them and we say, God, do your work in them. Let the church rise up into greater heights as the body becomes united. We thank you and we say, spirit of offense, you have no room in our hearts. You have no room in our bodies. You have no room in our minds. You have no room in our soul. We release that and we dedicate ourselves to you, Jesus. Fill us with your spirit now. We give you all the glory and Lord, fill us with that love. Let our love for people never grow cold. Fill us, refine us, refill us with that love this morning so that we can love people the way you've called us to love. In Jesus' name. We pray and everybody said, Amen.